You are listening to Victory Alabang Podcast. Be inspired by how God's extravagant grace can lead us to extravagant generosity in this conclusion of our Proof series by Pastor Ariel Marquez. We are now concluding our series uh, entitled Proof, which is really all about grace. Speaking of proof, just for you who are joining us for the first time, we have talked about grace for the past three, uh, four weeks. This is the fourth week. And we found out that when you talk about grace, grace is something that is unmerited. It is a favor from God. It is something that you do not work for. It is something that we do not deserve. And uh, we talked about that uh, you know, God freely gave us the grace to be saved. And how many of you appreciate the fact that you are saved? Uh, also, He gave us not only the fact that we are assured of eternal salvation, but while we are still here on earth, He also gave us the enablement so that we can live victorious and godly lives while we are still here. And uh, last week, we talked about the grace to be productive, the grace to work. Today, we're going to be uh, concluding with another aspect of grace. And I, I believe that when you talk about grace, this is inexhaustible. You know, it might require the whole year to talk about grace, but we're just taking about a month to talk about grace. But let me just ask you this question before we go and dive into the scripture this morning, okay? Uh, my question for us today is, uh, and I'm going to ask everyone to participate here, okay? What do you excel in? I know that we have different interests. Maybe some of you excel in painting, or maybe some of you excel in cooking. Some of you excel in baking. Some of you excel in Facebooking. Some of you excel in Instagramming. Some of you excel in whatever, okay? Maybe you excel in eating or whatever. Now, I want to just take a, a short time, maybe take about 10, 15 seconds each to turn to your seatmate, okay? And just answer this short Question. Parang uh, warm-up lang to, Icebreaker, okay? Medyo kung gusto mo magyabang, ngayon ka na magyabang, okay? Uh, pagkakataon mo na, uh, you can go ahead and uh, brag about something that, you know, maybe that person does not know about you. I excel in this, okay? And so I want you to take the time, maybe, tag 15 seconds now, okay? Maybe 20 max, 20 seconds max. So why don't you go ahead, introduce yourself to somebody, tell that person, I ex- I'm this, and I excel in... Mm. All right, you may go ahead and take your 20 seconds each. All right, now let the other person share the man. <coughs> Introduce yourself if you don't know that person. And then go and say, I excel in... Hmm. Okay, how many of you discovered something new about the person that you're seated with? Or wala na, okay? Uh, you know that person, okay? How many of you excel in some uh, form of arts? Anything, anybody here? Art. Like dancing or singing or... Huh? The art of eating. The art of eating. Meron The art of eating. I think that's majority, okay? You are genuine Pinoys, Okay. We excel in this art of eating. Okay, uh, we're going to be looking at one particular proof of grace wherein, you know, we can excel in. That, you know, when you talk about grace, it's not just about passing the grade or making the mark, but it's really putting it to the top. And it's really just, you know, receiving flying colors in this particular area 
in our life. And so I'd like to invite everyone to stand with me. We're going to be looking at the, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we're going to find that this is another aspect of grace that the Apostle Paul was teaching the church in Corinth. Okay, So we're going to be looking at uh, seven verses this morning from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Are you ready? Okay, We're going to be reading it from the NIV version. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the what? The grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy with their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urge Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel, everybody say, just as me, I excel. Okay. Just as I excel. Okay, sorry, just as me, <laughs> just as I excel. <laughs> in everything... In faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, that even as we uh, talk about your grace, indeed, this is something that's amazing in our lives. It is not natural. It is something that's given to us. But Lord, we thank you that even today as we study and dig deeper in this aspect of uh, grace of giving. We ask, Lord God, that you would help us to understand and, and realize what an opportunity for us to be able to participate in this. And at first, we were, are all recipients of the, a great grace that was given to us, to us, Lord God, in the person of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord God, that you'll bless the preaching of your word this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may all be seated. Don't worry, we're not going to be taking another offering this morning, okay? We're done with that. But rather, we are just going to talk about an aspect that I believe is one proof or one evidence of grace in the life of uh, His saints or of God's people. Now, to give us a short background on this book, okay? Why was the Apostle Paul writing this particular chapter to the Corinthians? and his context in doing so. Basically, Paul was raising funds for the poor believers in Jerusalem. At that time, during the first century, crisis hit Jerusalem. Of course, you, you know the story. They were under Rome, and uh, there were a lot of abuses. There were a lot of persecution uh, in the church. And so the believers practically lost many of their livelihood and their occupation okay, because of the taking over of the Roman Empire. Okay, and so this is also another example of extravagant giving. So the Apostle Paul was basically giving an example to the Corinthians you know, about the story of the Macedonian churches. When you talk about Macedonia, these are the cities of uh, Berea, uh, Philippi, and Thessalonica. Okay, and we're going to be looking at that in a while. We're talking about Macedonia. God's grace is being seen in those churches. And uh, why is that? Because... 
uh, despite the fact that they're going through some difficult times and trials and poverty, they were the ones who were begging to be part of this opportunity to give. So Paul was giving a motivational letter to the Corinthians. So to give you a better perspective of where the Apostle Paul was, this was during the third missionary journey. Now, uh, if you're familiar with the New Testament, the Apostle Paul made three trips all across Asia in order for him to plant churches. Now, uh, where's Thessalonica? It's on the upper uh, part of uh, Asia. And so you see Thessalonica and Philippi and Berea actually were right beside each other. Uh, this are the Macedonian churches. Okay, So the Apostle Paul is just giving a report to, uh, the, to Corinth that these churches took the time to receive the offering in order for them to be able to give to the uh, poor believers back there in Jerusalem. Okay, so where's Corinth? Corinth is uh, at the southernmost part of this particular uh, island. And so uh, that's where this context is. No? Now, going back to uh, you know, where we are, I know that you know, in our own context, we can actually relate to what the Macedonian churches are going through. In fact, according to some studies, do you know that the Filipinos are the most generous people in the world? Would you agree with that? Look at the person beside you. Are you generous? Yeah. Okay. Now, according to study, okay, why are they the most generous? It's a study made by a charity foundation. And the Philippines was among the top five nations. Can you imagine that? Top five nations devoting the most amount of time to charity work. Now, we're, of course, when you talk about giving... You're not just talking about finances. You're talking about your resource. You're talking about your talents. You're talking about your time. You're talking about even your own livelihood. Okay, so this is according to a charity work that was uh, uh, doing the survey. Now, volunteering is particularly a commonplace area there. Okay, with more people volunteering. Okay, which is forty-four percent than in any other country in Southeast Asia. Wow, that's a huge number. So collectively, if you look at the Southeast Asian nation, and you know, we're one of those, okay? aside from Thailand, okay, uh, uh, Cambodia, Vietnam, and so the other Southeast Asian, it says that the Philippines normally sends out 44% of people volunteering okay, in this region. How many of you know that there's a destiny upon this nation? Okay? In, in, in the area of giving and generosity. Indeed, the Philippines is ranked fifth globally for its participation in volunteering. Now we're talking about giving. We're talking about you know, giving our best. Of course, the context of the letter of the Apostle Paul is about giving in the area of finances, giving materially, okay, other possession. But you know, I believe that you know, many times it's easy to give money, right? But it's harder to actually go. It, it really depends on the perspective. It's harder to give, but it depends. Okay? If you can give your body, your resource, your talents, and go and, and, go, uh, go and do that. But if you can actually give resources, then go do that as well. Now, what is generosity? It is the habit of giving without expecting anything in return. Isn't that right? Because if there are strings attached, then that's not really generosity. Right? What is that? That's profit. 
<laughs> that's investment. Okay? You give something and then you have something in return. That's actually investing something. But normally, when you talk about generosity, you give something with no strings attached and not expecting anything in return. Many times, you probably, whether it's somebody that you know or maybe somebody that you don't know, it can involve offering time, assets, and talents to aid someone in need. The Macedonian churches basically set an example how to be generous. Too often we wait for blessings or surplus before we give, isn't it? You know, and sometimes you give an excuse, eh, wala akong bibigay. I have nothing to give. But we're going to study you know, this particular group of people that despite their situation, they were the ones egging. Give us an opportunity to give. Okay? And I realized that according to the Macedonian church and the example that they have uh, given not only to the Corinthian church but even to us, uh, modern-day believers who are reading the Bible, I realize that giving is not just for a select few. Do you know that? Generosity is not only for the rich. Generosity is actually for everybody. You can be generous no matter what kind of economic situation you're in right now. Look at the person beside you and tell that person you're you're part of this. In fact, I uh, you know I I remember the tagline. How many of you've watched the the cartoons Ratatouille back back in two thousand? You know this uh, chef Gustav. He's got this famous line and he's teaching you know how to you know how to be a famous chef. And of course, this little mouse wanted to be a chef. Okay, and so his tagline was what anyone can cook. How many of you know how to cook? How many of you know? How many of you? Yan yung isa sa mga excellent talents nyo, okay? How many of you excel in cooking? Some of you, right? So, but you know, you may be excellent cooking, but anyone can cook. If you know how to boil water, you can cook an egg, right? I mean, that's one of the things that I know. I can cook an egg. I can boil an egg. Okay, I've mastered the art of knowing how to make a soft-boiled egg and a hard-boiled. But anyway, so anyone can cook. But also, according to the example of the Macedonian churches, I want to submit to you today that not only anyone can cook, but anyone can give. Anyone. You know, it doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or a lot of resource, but even if you have scarce resource, anyone can do that. It's a grace. It's not natural, but this is where we see the grace of God coming into our lives if we're able to give. Amen. In fact, you know, as a pastor, I had the chance of, you know, just being part of the lives of people, okay, from, from birth to death, okay, from daddy to dedo, parang ganun sabi nila, no? from dedication to actually burial, okay, and so I, you know, I've had a chance of visiting in the hospital, you know, new, newborn babies, and if you are a parent, you probably noticed that newborn babies, when they were born, they're born with what? Clenched fists, Right? But how many of you have observed that if you go to a funeral, if you've observed a dirt dead person, his fist is no longer clenched? It's normally open, right? Life has a way of teaching us how to give. Life has a way of teaching us how to change our our nature from somebody who'd hoard and somebody who would just you know keep and somebody who would actually open his arms and give. Anyone can give. And, you know, generosity is not something that comes naturally. How many of you sometimes are, give, are having a hard time giving? 
Di ba? Parang isusubo ko na lang to, ibibigay ko pa sa'yo. You know, if you're eating your favorite chocolate bar, for example, and you have a friend who said, that's my favorite as well. What do you do at that time? Share. I get the inside, you get the wrapper, okay? <laughs> at least you know what I ate, no? Uh, no, no, no. Share. Okay? Generosity. It doesn't come naturally. But if we learn to do it, it's, it's something that gives us, you know, it's addicting. It, it kicks in the endorphins. I'm going to talk about that uh, in a while, okay? It is a result of the grace of God in our lives. Now, let's focus in on one particular text, okay, as we start. You know, what gives us proof in our life that this grace is actually existent in the area of giving? In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2, we've read this scripture earlier. It says, out of the, what? Most severe trial. How many of you have had a trial in your life? Can you please raise your hand? I think all of us, right? And I think the older you grow or the older you are in your life, the more trials you go through, right? Uh, maybe young people would not readily say, yeah, I've, I've gone through some trials already. I have a pimple this morning. You know, and it's red. There's something in it. You know, it's a big trial. You know. For them, it's trial already. Okay? But I guess for the most part, if you're a business person or you know, if you've gone through a lot of situations, Trials can actually range from you know, losing someone, losing a business, losing your home, or whatever. Okay, Losing something that's most valuable to you. And it says here that out of the most severe trial, it's not an ordinary trial. Severe trial. You know, Paul was using a superlative here. Not only an ordinary trial, but it's a severe trial. And it says, the most severe trial. How many of you have had a most severe trial? Anybody? Maybe some, right? Yet you see this, out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy. I mean, how can you mix joy with trial? Have you ever laughed in the midst of sadness? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you look crazy, but, you know, it's, it's like you're possessed. But, you know, they, you know, they know how to, because joy is not something that's based on the natural yeah. circumstance. It's not based on the external. Joy is actually something that's within. Joy is something that's from the heart. Joy is something stable. No matter what circumstance you're going through, you have the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is our strength, the Bible says, Right? So out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. Can you imagine? What a combination. Welled up in rich generosity. We're going to be looking at the first uh, word here. Okay? That proves why we have grace in giving. So we're now highlighting the word joy. So what's the first evidence of grace in giving? Basically, joyful. Okay? The evidence of grace Okay, we know that grace exists if you are joyful in your giving. Because, you know, giving is not natural. How can we excel even in this grace of giving? Now, check the Macedonian formula for giving. Severe trial plus overflowing joy plus extreme poverty 
equals rich generosity. Wow, have you ever had algebra and you had this, you know, does this make sense? You know, parang, uh, that's the wrong formula, pastor. You know, how can you do that? How can, how can somebody smile in the midst of trial, in, in the midst of poverty? You know, how can we give if there's nothing to give? Remember the widow's might? When Jesus one time in Mark chapter 12, he was actually bringing his disciples, come here guys, I want you to observe something here. And he brought them to the temple where many people are lining up to give to the offering. And he saw rich people, you know, I'm not, I have nothing against, you know, offerings, okay, or, or big offerings based on what you have. But somehow the highlight of Jesus was not the rich people. The highlight of his illustration was the poor widow. And the rich people were giving out of their wealth. You know, they're giving huge amounts. And how many of you know that, you know, it's easier to give huge amounts because you know that there is an even bigger amount that's left behind in your bank account. That's easy. But this widow, Jesus started pointing at this widow. This widow put in two small copper coins. And that's exactly the only thing that he had to live, she had to live on. I don't know how she survived that day, but she went out with a smile on her face. That's the joy that Jesus was talking about. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We're not forcing anybody here, by the way. You know, they say that church is just a business. <laughs> you know, some, some people say, Hey, I'm a church. They always receive offering. Actually, you know, you give unto the Lord. You know, when you give, you don't give to us specifically what you give to the work of the Lord. And we're not bashful about the fact that whenever we would receive, whether it's a missions offering, that 100% of the thing that we receive here from, for missions particularly does not end up in this church. 100%, not a peso is left here. It goes out to missions for the establishing of the churches outside. So when you give, when we give, even the pastors do that, when we give here, we use that money to operate this facility, to do our work in planting more churches. How many of you appreciate that we are meeting in a nice facility in Festival Mall? How many of you know that this facility is not for free? <laughs> and how I wish, you know, Festival Mall would just donate a land for us someday. <laughs> Who knows, diba? But till we get there, we've got to pay. Till we get there, we've got to pay rent, we've got to pay electricity, we've got to pay water. We've got to pay the, the, the security guards. You know, we want to keep this uh, center as secure as possible. That's why we have guards here. We have uh, regular eggsy people who keep, you know, the, the, the tidiness of the place. Do you ever wonder why when you came in here, there's no uh, mess on your chair or on your carpet? Because somebody actually came here earlier than you and actually... Uh, vacuum the carpet in between the services. Have you ever wondered why even if you attend the last service uh, in the evening that the bathroom still smells good? And you probably now see that it says hygienic or something, you know, because we're, we're concerned about your health, you know. And that entails cost. And so, anyway, I'm not, that's why when you talk about uh, giving, and when we talk about going to church, yeah, we're receiving an offering, but we're not forcing anyone to give. In fact, we're not checking anybody if you've given today or not. 
We don't have a giving indicator outside the door. <laughs> you know that thing, diba, when you go to the when you go to the airport, if there's a metal detector, diba, if there's a metal toot, it, it rings or it actually buzzes. What if we put in a giving detector? And if you don't give, toot, it buzzes. Everybody knows. But we don't do that. We don't follow you in your homes and ask you, why did you not give today? Because we give unto the Lord. No one's checking. I don't even check as a pastor. I don't even want to know who gave what. I don't go to the, to the place where they count the offerings. I don't want to know. Because it's the, it's the Lord that we're giving to, not, not the church. Amen. And so it says here, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know, I remember a story of one daddy, and he gave two bills to his son, who's eight years old. And, you know, you're going to kids' church, okay? So I'm going to give you two bills, one 20 bill, 20 peso bill, and one 100 peso bill. So decide which one to give during the offering time. So the boy looked at the 20 pesos, and he looked at the 100 pesos. And so the dad asked later on during that day, so did you give in the offering? The boy said, yes, I gave in the offering. So how much did you give? Well, the, the, the teacher said, give with a cheerful heart. And so I can actually give the 20 pesos more cheerfully than the 100 pesos. <laughs> so I gave the smaller bill. But that's reality sometimes, right? You know, no one is forcing us. No one is putting you under compulsion to give. But God loves a cheerful giver. It's, in fact, it was Jesus who was observing the amount of offering being put in the collection box, in the temple. Not anyone else. We're not doing that. I'm not doing that. It's, it's the Lord who's looking at that. Somebody once said, seek joy in what you give, not in what you get. And I believe that, yeah, many times we talk about blessings, and we're going to be, you know, we're, in the future we're going to have a series on blessing. And how many of you love the blessings of God? We, we love that, right? We, we love to receive from the Lord. And that's important. I'm not saying that's not important. We have to receive first before we can actually give out. Freely you've received. Freely give. And you can only give what you have. You can never give what you don't have. You can never impart to your children what you do not have. You can never teach your children the fear of God if you don't have the fear of God. You can never tell your child, oh, go read your Bible, but you read your Bible once a year. It doesn't work that way. You can only give. What you have. Seek joy in what you give, not in what you get. Uh, sorry, Stanley uh, Druckenmiller, okay? uh, from, uh, from uh, yeah, one of the fund managers there. He said, once you make a lot of money, it's incredibly enjoyable to give it away. It's a way to satisfy the soul. That's why I believe that you know, giving actually you know, gives you some endorphins. It gives you a natural high. Diba? You know, you know, there's a joy that, uh, you know, exercise gives you. When you exercise, you know, it, it kicks in, but the endorphin kicks in. But guess what? When we give, there's something that's, you know, amazing about this area of giving that we can actually excel in. When you start giving, guess what? It's addictive. Don't the person beside you and warn that person. It's addictive. Okay? Sometimes, you know, you want to give so much that you, do have, you don't have the money anymore to give. You get your, your neighbor's wallet and then you give it in the offering, okay? And that's how generous you are already, okay? You want to give anything already uh, beyond you, okay? So, check your, check your wallet okay? and your cell phone. Anyway, so, 
Evidence of grace in giving. Number two is sacrificial. Everybody say sacrificial. <clears throat> I believe that in the same way that they were joyful in their giving, the, the Macedonian churches also were giving out of a necessity, and we've seen that in the scripture, out of their poverty, out of the most severe trial. And, and Paul said, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even what? Beyond their ability. In the NLT version, it says, They gave not only what they could afford, but far more. In the New Revised Standard Version, it says, They gave even beyond their means. In fact, this particular word sacrifice is defined as this. Giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. The reason why we can give, the reason why we can sacrifice something that we have is because we know that what is more important and what is more valuable is something that we can actually get back in return. And the reason why, you know, maybe you, you, as a child or as a, as a dad, you have... Uh, you know, you have your piece of uh, whatever, your chicken, okay? And you know that your children already had their, ch- their share. And uh, what if they say, we want more? And there's just one left, and that's on your plate. Sacrifice means, yeah, in, in, the, in the crude sense, it's giving your share because what's more important is your children more than you. It's, it's a viewpoint. When you sacrifice something, there's a giving up of something because you know that when you give something, there's, there's more value to this person or this thing that you're giving to. For example, a, a daughter who would be willing to donate one of her kidneys for her mother who's sick of renal failure. That's sacrifice, isn't it? Because she probably knew that my mom needs this and I value my mom more than I value my one kidney. That's sacrifice. And the, and the Corinthians, uh, the Macedonian churches understood that yes, there's value in supporting the believers in Jerusalem because you know, that's where it all came from. And we need, to, we need to go and support the widows there. We need to go and support the poor people there. And so for them, even if they're going through some severe trials and poverty, it doesn't matter. We want to be a blessing. And that's what sacrifice means. Okay? Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, 6, uh, 6 says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So it really depends on how uh, the measure that you give and the measure that you use. Basically, that's the measure that God will bring us uh, as well. And the last point I want to share for us this morning is voluntary. Everybody say voluntary. What's the first point again? What's the evidence of grace in giving? First, joyful. Second, sacrificial. Third, it's voluntary. You know, that's why I, I said earlier, we're not forcing anybody to give. You know, it, it is a free country. It's a free church. There's no pre-qualification for coming here in this church. You can come here and eat and feed the, the, you know, the, you know, for, the, for the service here. And you may not give anything in return. That's fine. Okay? It's between you and the Lord. Okay? You may actually come here for, for 10 years and just sit on the pew for 10 years. And listen to the preaching and then worship and then go. 
and not even participate in the volunteer work or not give in the offering, you know, we will not tell you not to come back anymore. You're welcome to come back. But let me tell you this. It is more fulfilling than if you actually join us here for worship. And your mindset is not, what can I get today from that church? But maybe you're asking yourself, how can I participate? And how can I make my worship meaningful and honorable to the Lord? And it's more than just singing songs and listening to the worship and listening to the preaching and criticizing the pastor. Uy, palpakin joke mo, pastor, ah. <laughs> Or you don't, you know, you, you preach too long or something or, or you use the wrong intonation or, you know, wrong grammar. <laughs> yeah. But voluntary, we're here because we want to honor the Lord. We're here because it's a celebration of life. We're here because we're really celebrating God's grace upon each and every one of our lives. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 3. And the Apostle Paul said, For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. And this next four words says, Entirely on their own. Paul did not coerce them. Paul did not force them. In fact, we're going to be focusing on this, you know, as you focus on these particular four uh, words, entirely on their own means voluntary. It's you know, not forced, not under compulsion, but really it's, a, it's a, something that came out from their hearts. In verse 10, it says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And how many of you agree, would agree with me that God always gives us provision every day. He gives you seed. And the seed, the purpose of the seed is actually two things. Okay? If you understand agriculture or farming, you, know, you can actually have two uses for seeds. First is to plant the seed. Diba? You plant the seed so that you can have more fruits or more crops. And the second is to eat the seed. Diba? To eat the seed, to sustain your, your, yourself. You, you like eating butumpakwan or whatever, okay? Or whatever, seed of mango, whatever, seed, okay? Of course, seed has its fruit there, okay? So that's the purpose of seed, either to eat it or consume it or plant it. You decide. God continues to give us our seeds every single day, and we make a decision, is this seed for sowing? Is this seed for consumption? And it says here, He will... Increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. And it says, you will be made rich. Can you say those words with me? You will be made rich. How many of you would like to say amen to that? How many of you will say, Pastor, that's for me? That's for me. The scripture is for me. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be what? Generous. On every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So there's a purpose for wealth. And God wants to make you and I rich. You will be made rich in every way. Not so that you can actually enjoy the sale later on in Festival Mall, 70 off. (laughs) Or because, you know, SNR says, you know, members only, September 25 to 29, you know. And I will be made so that I can actually enjoy shopping, you know. Guess what? That's fine. 
I have nothing against shopping and you know, doing grocery. But the purpose of wealth is this. You'll be made rich in order so, so that you can be generous on every occasion. There's a purpose. There's actually a line attached between your heart and your wallet. You know, when Samuel Houston, oh, sorry, when Sam, yeah, Sam Houston, the, the hero back in the early 1900s in the United States, and he was the one who was instrumental. He was a statesman and a soldier. He was the one who was instrumental in bringing Texas into the United States. Finally, towards the end of his life, he became a Christian. He was baptized. And as the pastor was baptizing him, uh, you know, he, was, he had, you know, of course, his full gear. And the pastor said, uh, uh, excuse me, uh, General Sam, your, your chain and your watch might get wet. So please give them to your wife. And so he took out the, 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 the watch and the, the chain. And so the, the pastor reminded, uh, by the way, you also have your wallet in your pocket. And, you know, we're going to be baptizing you and you know, it might get wet. And he said, you know, this wallet needs baptizing too. And he acknowledges that you know, even the area of giving, he needs to, to actually be discipled in that. Verse 5 of uh, chapter 8, it says, And they did not do as we expected, but they, first gave themsel- uh, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. How is it that somebody is able to give? Simply lang. You can't really give aside and apart from giving your heart first to the Lord. We have to first give our hearts and ourselves and our lives and our resource and everything we have to the Lord. Then and only then can we actually say, God, everything is yours anyway. I'm willing to give anything that I have left. And that's really the secret of giving. There's a story of this uh, wealthy family in Britain back in the early 19, uh, uh, 1900s. And the rich family went to the country to swim in uh, one of their uh, vacation houses in their pool. And unfor- uh, you know, the, one of the boys started drowning in the pool and the son of the gardener at that time went and dove in and saved that particular boy from drowning. The family was so grateful because of the act of kindness and the act of courage that this young boy showed to the son of the wealthy father. And so he was asking the gardener, because the boy was his son, and you know what, how can I repay your son or your family for, the, for saving my own son? You know? And the gardener basically said, you know, my, my son wanted to become a physician one day, one day and and he said, you know, it would be a good help if, you know, he would be, uh, be brought to a, a good school. Now, many, many years later, uh, what happened was in, in Great Britain, uh, Sir Winston Churchill, during one of his speeches, actually uh, acquired a sickness. And he needed medicine at that time, and he was down with, uh, and he needed an, an antibiotic. And this particular doctor, Dr. Alexander Fleming, discovered this drug or antibiotic called penicillin. And uh, he was injected by this drug, uh, penicillin. And and if if you match the story, what happened was that boy who was drowning, who was a young boy then, was uh, Winston Churchill. And that boy who actually saved him was Alexander Fleming. And his father was the one who sent Alexander Fleming to medical school and he didn't realize that one day he would actually go and save 
Winston Churchill again for the second time because of the medicine and the drug that he discovered. And the rest is history. And I believe that many times, you, when you give, you don't really know the impact of that gift. Whether it's an amount, whether it's an act of kindness, whether it's something that, you know, you've just met somebody whom you just met in the street. But basically, when you, if you realize that when you give, first we give to the Lord first. And then we give to other people. It's God that we're giving to. Amen. And guess what? The Bible says, what you sow is what you reap. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. But if you sow generously, you will reap generously as well. My main point as I close is God's extravagant grace leads us to extravagant generosity. And I believe that you have your own stories of generosity. And I guess the point is we can never outgive God. That's the point. God first freely gave us everything we need. And this, uh, you know, this particular passage is just to summarize, you know, what we've been talking about. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus gave us everything that we need. Jesus gave us even more than what we deserve. And I believe that that is the grace of God in our life. And that's a divine exchange. He who was, who's rich in heaven does not need to do anything else, came down on earth, became a poor human being in order to give up himself so that we can be offered security, we can be offered salvation, and we can be offered the best that life can actually offer. Not just to survive on this earth, but to be significant and to actually make our life matter, not only in this life, but even the life to come. We hope you were inspired by that message. Learn more practical insights on such essential biblical truths by joining the Victory Group today. Inquire at the Concierge or in our website at www.victoryalabang.org or just drop us a line in our Facebook page at facebook.com slash victoryalabang. Thank you and stay connected.